In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast. We hope you enjoy and benefit from this podcast. And so we are especially supportive of our sponsor and hope you'll also support the show by supporting our sponsor, which is Anderson Hauser. Anderson Hauser is a global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation. Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. And you can tell them thank you for sponsoring the show by going to our website, which is cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast and register there for our monthly giveaway. And of course, we'll also post that link on the show notes. Anderson Hauser has also been hosting some online seminars and you might want to, you might want to check that out as well. So for today's internationally acclaimed HSE podcast, and we are listened to in over 100 countries. My guest is from across the pond, as we say here in the U.S. I'm pleased to introduce Mr. Joe Wills. Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Russell. Thanks very much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. Exactly where across the pond are you? Yeah, so I'm situated in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, or just outside, which is in the, the northeast part of England, which is pretty cold at the minute, <laughs> pretty windy, pretty wet. So just like normal, really. So <laughs> a normal weather day, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're expecting a little bit of rain here in Texas as, as well, but it's a rather, rather mild day for us. Joe, a couple things here. First of all, tell us about your company, A-E-G-I-S-W-O-R-K-S. Is, is that Aegis Works? Yeah, close enough. <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue twister. It's Aegis Works, so it's a bit of like a silent A, really. So yeah, we're a health, safety, and quality consultancy that specializes in a, a number of range of services over here in the UK and internationally. So yeah, and we've been going for about a year in total. So we're very, we're very sort of young, if you like, in that respect. And we're born about from a quite a unique opportunity, a unique situation, which is yeah. Well, tell us about tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I was very lucky to work many years ago with a former colleague who had a company of a very similar name called Aegis Safety. And sadly last last May that he got terminal illness and yeah, after some long discussions he presented me with an opportunity to sort of take on his portfolio, which is a very unique to say a very unique opportunity also very exciting but born about out of a sad situation but you know as one sad situation takes place then then opportunity comes from that so I, I've taken it and given it a good go so it's a challenge yeah <laughs> it's something very different but no I'm, I'm enjoying it you learn something new every day so so it's it's good well that definitely is an interesting story wow that's tough it's hard to know what to say about that i i think you're right though you you know you you don't have i actually did a special edition podcast i think it was i've forgotten now i think it was around maybe christmas time or whatever and we kind of were focusing on health and you know holiday season brings a time of depression for a lot of people and so we we talked about that one of the things we talked about was a guy out there and, and i can't remember his name now but he's a life coach and he says he's from Colorado, 
but not the mountains of Colorado, the plains of Colorado. And he said the storms come out across over the mountaintops and onto those plains. And he said, you have herds of cattle and you have herds of buffalo. He said, when the storms come, the cattle, they take off and try to outrun the storm. And of course they can't, you know, the storm catches up with them and then they wind up running, you know, with the storm. He said, the buffalo do exactly the opposite. When they see the storm coming, they run toward the storm. Now they still experience the storm, but they very quickly come out of the storm. And so you have to learn to, to run it at those storms in life. And it sounds like that's, it sounds like that's what you've done. Joe, you, you've got a lot of initials behind your name. Can you talk about those? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a chartered member of the Quality Institute and also a member of the Institute of Safety and Health, IOSH. So, so that's where they kind of stem from. Yeah, I'm just trying increasingly to get all the letters of the alphabet. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, well you, you've, you've just about got them when I look at your email signature. So you're definitely a safety professional. Just to show you what how much of a professional podcaster I am, why did I want to have you as a guest on the show? <laughs> I mean, I mean that's professional podcasting at its best, folks. Why the guest is on the show, the host is asking why. Actually, I'm joking about that. We were originally scheduled to interview, what was it, two or three weeks ago? That's right. Yeah. 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 And then and then you got called out on an incident, and I think you were tied up for at least a week or more. And, you know, talking about this turning lemons into lemonade, I thought, oh, well, great. We'll use this, and we'll talk about it on the show, and this will be interesting and exciting. But then come to find out, apparently it was a pretty serious incident, and pretty high profile, and you can't talk about it, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was just going to go back, actually. I was thinking when you asked what we were going to talk about, I was going to put that back to you, right? I can't, you know, I, I, <laughs> well, no, seriously, we're being a little silly here. We had originally talked about with your area of expertise and everything, we were going to talk about, I think we had entitled it safety and design. Is that That's right? right. Yeah. So what does that mean, Joe? Yeah. Well, look, first of all, th- thanks very much for allowing me to come on to the show. Um, it's really good to talk to you and, and hopefully share a bit of some thoughts, etc., on on safety and design with your listeners as well. But I think, you know, to start with, what, what an industry we're in, in a positive sense. You know, it's just a fantastic, fantastic industry. It's great people. And, you know, you put you put these sort of fantastically driven people and innovation together and you get these amazing engineering solutions is, is a in its simplistic format. And I and I was you know, it's a real sort of core passion of mine, if you like, in terms of, of what I do day to day. And you know, I really always wanted to, to sort of share as I say, share share a few thoughts on on the opportunities that actually arise currently within this sort of field, if you like. So yeah, that was the intent for today. Okay, so you say opportunities. Can you expand upon that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I think where we find ourselves in, you know, like everybody in the world, we've had what a challenging year. And I guess in the workplace, there's been degree of different sort of attention points, if you like. So some companies, it's been about survival. Some some companies have maybe had the opportunity to look at how they can initiate improvement strategies, if you like, and 
And one of the areas that I've seen a big upturn in you like in, in, in needing support and services for myself and, and the company and just generally in, in my sort of network, if you like, of peers, et cetera, is, is what are people starting to, to do around safety and design? And I think it's a really quite a niche niche area, if you like, because it covers everything. You know, every, every bit of machine, every bit of equipment you see at the minute, it goes through a process of engineering. And, and within that, engineering is this really intuitive sort of risk management approach, These these this sort of safety and design, if you want to call it, or design for safety. There's various different acronyms that are associated with it. And it got me thinking, you know, what, what is like what's what's happening what's going on in 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 the world at the minute in our industry of the energy industry and i think talking to peers etc you can kind of see that there, there's maybe some gaps appearing and there's some opportunities to close those gaps and improve and what i mean by that is we for example we're hearing at the minute from various different, you know, bot- trade bodies, etc., publications that are coming out that you know our our industry is of an aging workforce and that we're going to lose skill sets of workers, etc. Well, that's that element could be attributed as well into engineering, yeah. And so with that, are we looking at a situation where we could lose some of that valuable knowledge? And that valuable knowledge can be disseminated into different parts. It could be of its its real technical perspective. It could be its, its approach to safety and in, in the respect of what tools that are used to to sort of reduce risk and then validate technical constraints, etc. We also see that you know we've got a massive supply chain in oil and gas, and and obviously if you collate that with the rest of, if you put that in the bracket of energy itself, you've got this massive supply chain. So what you have is you have some really good practices going on which I think we recognize that. But also, you know, we do have areas to improve. And if you look at incident statistics that come out from the associated trade bodies, et cetera, there's normally within those incidents, not, not you know, I can't speak for every single one for sure, but there's always a proportion that, you know, gets associated with a design change could prevent this or et cetera, or it could be a contributing factor equally, a poor design or something and so forth. So, you start to put these sort of individual facets, if you like, together, and you can see that there are these different angles that we can do. We could, you know, we, and I talk about that as the industry, or, you know, we can drop that down to a level of as a, a company and then down in, you know, a personal level, we can do more or, or we should we should strive to do more to, to understand more and, and, and improve. I think probably a good point to sort of start with, just going back to what I was saying before about what can the industry do? If we think about, well, like if we break it down into kind of strategies, if you like, a, a strategic level, a tactical level, an operational level. But just before I break that, break into that, I think it's probably worth noting as well. Let, just going in to put this into perspective and going into basics. If you think about what health and safety is, it's, you know, the concept of it is, you know, in, in terms of how we manage it. Well, we know we, we know we have hazards, don't we? Right. And we know that those hazards can give rise to risk. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so we need to control them because if we don't control them, then the outcome of, you know, could be of a variety of different consequences, et cetera, and so forth. So that control point, if you like, or those control measures are based around, and I think many listeners will be able to resonate with what I'm saying here is what you call like a hierarchy of control, you know, and it's normally one of these and uh, sort of displayed in like a, a pyramid shape, et cetera, or, or a, a sort of hierarchical order of, you know, at the top of the pyramid, if you like, you have eliminate or avoid, avoid the risk. And, and then you work through a series of different other, you know, control measures to the bottom, which is normally referred to as 
PPE or personal protective equipment. And that's sort of seen as yeah, the last defense, the, the last barrier. But just taking a step out of that. So if you think about this now, if you imagine we have this kind of, we have this pyramid of control measures. And at the top, we have this eliminate. Within this, say, if we break it into thirds, so the, the top third is, we're going to call this technical measures. Within technical measures, we have things like eliminate, we have substitute, we have reduced the risk. And we also have a very interesting one, which we refer to quite often in the industry as sort of engineering controls. And if we work down to the next, sec- you know, the second, third, if you like, or the middle ground, we have like procedural, you know, we have where we have a safe systems to work, we have our risk assessments, our method statements, our work instructions, our permit to work, etc. And then finally, into the, you know, the bottom third, if you like, is what we call our behavioral controls. And these can be attributed to information, instruction, training, supervision, etc. Various different other ones as well, to name to, to, just to name a few. I like the way you break that down and you've mentioned the word engineering. And of course, you know, the oil and gas industry, as you said, some of the engineering things that we've come up with are, are actually quite fantastic. When you go out and you, you bring oil up from, you know, tens of thousands of feet off of the bottom of the ocean, just as, just as one, you know, simple example. But what you're saying is, is, is we need to take that same engineering approach that, you know, has made our industry successful in extracting, you know, hydrocarbons and, and all the positive things that, that go along with that. Safety needs to have that same, that's why you use the word design. There has to be thought put into this. I've seen that pyramid before and, you know, basic Dr. Emmett J. Vaughn's risk management 101 or something like that. But the way you break it down into technical and procedural and behavioral, I really like that. And that's something that your company specializes in. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is not something innovative, if you like. It's something that exists, right? You know, it's been around for a long time in our industry has contributed to that and probably advanced this kind of thought process equally as as any other industry. But I think what really I wanted to stress the point is the opportunity we have, and I'll give you an example here. We've just said we've gone back to where we were talking there. We've broken down technical, procedural, and behavioral. Well, how many times in you know your your association with the industry have you have you heard people talk about behavioral programs or cultural improvement programs? Oh yeah, yeah. The safety, safety, the safety culture. You know, the company's safety culture or or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. So there you go. So, and that's great. Yeah. And, and so what I'm saying is not to. It's not about one or the other. Or what I'm about to say is not about one or the other. We we need these all in tandem. But let's just flip that on the side. And how many times have you heard about safety and design programs, safety and design projects? Actually, I think you're using the term in a way that maybe is bringing something unique to the program here. Okay. So in terms of when we think about, if we look at it all t- like in a slightly different viewpoint or different terminology, when we talk about design, you know, we design a machinery, design the equipment for safety. If you measure that against, or you, or you look at like a, a relationship between that and behavioral safety, if you like, about which do you see more common kind of visibility of programs, of resource material, et cetera. Well, there's a lot out there about behavioral stuff, which is fantastic. And there's some people doing some really good stuff. And equally, the material, et cetera, does exist within 
safety and design, but I think it's visibility or the communication of it somewhat isn't sort of exploited as well as it could be. And I think sometimes it sits sits behind, you know, like in a dark room, you know, we think about safety and design, we think about a group of engineers and maybe, you know, safety professionals sat around drinking some really strong espressos trying to work out, you know, these algorithms or something like that. But it's, maybe there is a bit of that, but, you know, there's a, there's a bit more to it. And I think where we, we, we can really look to hone an opportunity is is at different, at different levels. So if you think like, you know, universities now, and I reached out to 40 it was a very small sample, but 40 engineers before coming on to the show, just to give a bit of a kind of a sample size, if you like. And many of these were graduate engineers, so they've just come out of their, you know, their, their sort of bachelor's or master's degrees in the last sort of two to three years, so relatively, relatively fresh in the mind, unless they enjoyed themselves too much at university. And some were obviously, some went to institutions, and in many went to institutions in the UK, some went abroad. But equally, I, I took some sample from, from some experienced engineers as well. Give you some context, all various different disciplines as well. So mechanical, engineering, you know, hydraulic, software, etc. So it's not just one. And I asked the question to them individually to see how much safety and design, if you like, or the approach to designing something safely is considered you know the the real intrusive sort of process and approach to how you the tools that you need in your toolkit to do that the answer is quite humbling really is that many said well throughout my time at university which spans between three to four years like yeah there was maybe there was maybe a slide that said we need to make sure we design things safely but that was it and when you take a step back and you think right okay that's interesting and like in the States, you know, with OSHA, the UK and Europe obviously have legal requirements on, on companies to design and manufacture equipment safely for the end user. Well, if we take that sort of logical step, if, if that's a requirement that we need to, you know, we need to do by law, and obviously our moral obligations are to do that anyway, then surely it makes sense that we look to include that baseline knowledge in the educational route that the engineers or, or you know people undertaking these roles in the organizations get you know they receive it if that makes sense so you're saying that where we where we often look at and place our biggest emphasis on behavioral or preventative and you know procedural and 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 even some of the the technical aspects of it there needs to be more of an emphasis from everybody in relationship to let's making sure that what we got out there is designed safely. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, think about it this way. In, in terms of, think about in continuity, if you like, we have some amazing pra- practices that we have in the energy industry. The way we, the, the risk management tools that we employ. So so these could, for example, these could be based on standards, existing standards, like i uh, give you one, you know, ISO 31010, which is risk management, or ISO 12100, which is safety of machinery, basic principles of risk assessment. And people have taken that and they've advanced it. And they've done really, you know, they've done some, I mean, you look at what's, what's, what equipment is out there. Well, some people have, have made that, you know, people have designed and manufactured it. So, so it's a testament to when it works well. But equally, we, we have a massive network, you know, massive supply of companies that, and and there isn't this kind of level of precedent set. 
And so we need to look at how we can improve that collectively. And what I'm saying is, if you look at behavioral programs, they're visible. They're, maybe some people see them as more tangible. I'm not sure, but they're visible and they're out there, etc. Whereas a safety of machinery, if you like, or, or the, the approach to designing something safety is probably not as visibly kind of re-emphasized or communicated. So we need to look at what we're doing in our educational establishments we need to think about what the trade bodies are doing, you know, in terms of, you know, can the trade bodies promote this more? Can they reach out to people? Can they set concept studies up to see what, what can be improved? And then I guess we break it down into our company levels, you know, people joining companies. Well, if it's going to be in a, a really, you know, any company I work with in particular, this sort of scope, if you like, always start with the same sort of thing is mapping out where, where are they now? What do they do? And just in that exercise itself, it normally kind of prompts some some sort of self thought, self reflection, and then and then it's about taking some self medicine, right? So you know, you map out where you are, what you're doing in terms of how how are we ensuring that we're designing something safely. The processes might be there, so there's that's fantastic. But how are those processes then interpreted by our staff? Are we just giving them a like a document and say, right, guys? go and do a HAZOP, go and do a HAZARD, go and do a DRA, design risk assessment, for example. And that's the level that we need to get to. Are we giving them training? You know, and how far are we giving them mentorship? You know, and I think you can see where I'm coming out maybe now. We need to try and attack different angles to get the maximum value. Exactly. So in this particular case, you know, first of all, is my equipment safe? And second of all, do my people using the equipment, do they understand and appreciate and therefore are able to utilize all of the safety features of what they're dealing with so that to coin the phrase that we use in our show every week, make sure everybody comes home safely. For sure. Yeah. So that's kind of the focus of your company, Aegis Works, Joe? Yeah, for sure. It's certainly one of the, it's certainly one of the elements. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you talked about the unfortunate circumstances that led to, you know, you starting this company within the last yeah. year or so. Is your website up and running? Yeah. So unfortunately, I would like to think, uh, <laughs> sadly, my skill set hasn't kind of reached the IT capacity it needs to be. But yeah, no, I've got a couple of people working very hard for us at the minute trying to get, trying to get that up and running. So apologies. So they're trying not... to get the design on that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, i tell you what we'll do. If people want to reach out to you, we'll, we will put your LinkedIn contact Please. in the show yeah. notes. And then you can keep us posted on LinkedIn so that when your website does go live, people can look at that. Because I think you bring a fresh, fresh perspective to HSE that a lot of people would be interested in. Joe, it's almost noon in my time. And I guess it's what, about five o'clock in the afternoon where you are? Yeah, nearly. Yeah, it's nearly time for kids and stuff like that. Kids' tea time and etc. Yeah. All right. Well, good. So <laughs> that'll be a good place for us to stop right here. Thanks again, Joe, for coming on the show. Thanks to everybody for listening. Please tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based partner for measurement instrumentation, services, and solutions. We are your people for process automation. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you can discover more about Anderson Hauser at cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast, and you can register for our monthly podcast giveaway there, as I mentioned, 
and you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and we'll put those addresses in the show notes as well. Please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. See you next time. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for April 2021. This month, we have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the Spring Pitch Party focused on clean tech. It'll be hosted at the Canon on April 6th. Next, we have our two online events, the University of Houston PES Career Fair on April 8th, in the CSPG Geo Women eTalk on April 20th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information about any of the live streams or events we have coming up. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for April. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.